commune with the world around us. It's it's a nice thing. It's nice. I, and I think more people should do it. Maybe we'd have a little bit more peace around the world. <laughs> the people, like, started focusing on good stuff and meditating and, and looking into themselves and stop trying to be better than other people, the world would be better. <laughs> well, there's certainly benefit in that, for sure. Yeah. But, you know, everybody's on their own path, so they'll they'll figure it out eventually, or sadly, maybe they won't. Yeah, I know, exactly. It's, it's not my business. Uh, just i got to focus on my own stuff. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> Um, but I just, oh, yeah, I love, I love, those, those are my things. And that's what saved me during lockdown, reading books, um, listening to music, watching movies, you know, nerdy stuff. Yeah. <laughs> well, you could certainly paint it that way, but I think all of those things are therapeutic because they feed our souls, and we were in a moment where we had a sudden lack of stimulation, and we had the chance to feed ourselves in these beautiful ways and you know some of it of course was negative and you know my of course there were mental health crises and all sorts of things yeah. from the pandemic but I also found it really fascinating the ways in which you know people really sort of looked at the things that would feed them both figuratively and literally during that time period like the the amount of people that started baking bread or rediscovering embroidery or something you know it sounds kind of it's just it's not what I had expected from a situation like that so I found it really pleasantly surprising that some of those things really showed up again during that time yeah knitting groups who would think that that would pop up you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> and and, and quilting groups and all this stuff you know like the old-fashioned mm -hmm. stuff from that people used to do before we had we had gas lights and stuff. When people had had um, had to to stay home and and find ways to keep busy. <laughs> yeah, true, very true. Um, it's in a way it was good. It was not and not in a way it was good. <laughs> yeah, there were parts of it that were lovely. Um, but you know, I think that's the beauty. It's what we've already mentioned that in the majority of circumstances we can find something beautiful and helpful and extraordinary in them, but it's all about where our focus is. Mm -hmm. So, you know, that's our constant battle because the the brain is a problem-solving machine. So if something is solved, it's not focusing there. So you are constantly triggered to focus on what you think needs to be solved, what potentially is a problem or a danger. And, you know, so that's where we get really heightened awareness of, news that has absolutely nothing to do with us, mm -hmm. but, you know, sucks up a ton of our attention as opposed to, you know, these other things that are far more soothing, but they just don't feel as important because that's just not how our brains function. That's true. That's very true. Yeah. Like I said, I spent most of my time reading books. Actually, a lot of books were rereading, like um, Jane Austen and Agatha Christie and books like that, you know, it was Comfort, mm -hmm. comfort stuff. <laughs> Beautiful, love that. Um, what were you doing? Were you doing the same, or what was your your distractions during the time period? Uh, well, I'm a big reader all the time. Me too. So, you know that that uh, certainly continued. Uh, you know, I think what really happened for me during the pandemic is just everything that I already was was kind of heightened. So I'm a pretty organized person, but I swear to you, there was not a drawer or cabinet left undone. Like every <laughs> single thing caught attention during the pandemic. So, you know, there were some, and, and which, of course, does not mean that I did not also have an enormous amount of lazy days as well. But, you know, the it, it's sort of just everything that I did, I kind of was doing more of because the the things that usually would take my attention weren't there to do so, so the other things got more attention. I don't think our apartment has ever been so clean. My brother is a very clean guy, and I live with my brother. <laughs> he cleaned every... I don't think there was an inch of the apartment, even the cat. I mean, we were all very clean. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, um, 
My bathtub shined. My bathtub shined. Lovely. <laughs> I was um, I was more into like needlepoint knitting, and my brother was into cleaning every surface he could find. <laughs> but what I love about that is that you both found things that soothed your personality during that time. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, and he was, and my brother's a great cook, so he was cooking great meals. We did not suffer. Whatever we had, even during shortages, he would find a way to make great meals. Oh, that's wonderful. So, yeah, and I think because we're in California and earthquake preparedness and stuff, we had a lot of stuff already saved in, in for earthquake. So sure. We had backup. But then after that, we got backup for the backup. <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense, too. Yeah, if you are a person who likes to be prepared, that certainly was uh, motivation to push it even further. Yeah, yeah. It's it's so crazy. I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad it's over because of um, the loss we had and, and the, like you said, the mental problems and stuff like that. I'm glad that part's over, but the the healing part of the thing that I hope continues. I hope people mm -hmm. take the, what they learned and bring it into their reality. Lovely, you know, because I it we're as you said we're here to become better and to learn. If we're not going to learn from lessons as powerful as that, why are we here? <laughs> Certainly. Yeah, I don't disagree. So, yeah. I um, This is another, it's probably a silly question, but were you watching things that you don't usually watch? I kind of found myself doing that. Um, well, I, I mean, I consume a pretty significant amount of media, you know, part of it for my work and part of it for uh, just enjoyment. But, yeah, I mean, there were certainly, like, I've never binge-watched to the degree that I did during the pandemic. Uh, you know, not, it certainly didn't feel important, but it just felt like a great distraction. Mm -hmm. But I was definitely focusing on things that uh, uh, were comforting, Um you know, I did find it really fascinating. I mean, we might have even spoke about, uh, we might have even chatted about this last time, that I remember there were a lot of people that were really, like the numbers for movies about pandemics or horror movies, like those numbers were huge, just through the roof. But that's the last thing I wanted to look at. Me like too. Like the five wanted things that were soothing. <laughs> oh, yeah. my God. No. Yeah. <laughs> What, that's the last thing. Oh, we're suffering from pandemic. Let's look at other people suffer from pandemic. I don't get that. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think a lot of people just, you know, I, I think part of it might have been like, how did they survive? Let's, you know, it's like a handbook. But, you know, of course, that's silly logic. But it's also, you know, everybody was just looking for answers at the time. And maybe they wanted something to bond with or you know, something that seemed like a, a guidepost of some sort. But anyway, I was definitely more into uh, comedies and just things that were, like I remember that I did watch um, like movies that I hadn't seen in years but were like childhood favorites. So it just sort of felt like comfort food. Yeah. I actually, during it, I, I found myself watching stuff I always watch, and then I said, you know, I'm bored. I really want to do something different. And I found myself watching movies and TV shows I'd never seen. And okay. really enjoying them. Um, and wondering why I'd never watched them. You know? <laughs> yeah, well, we all, you know, we only have so many hours in the day, so all of us are constantly picking and choosing. And it would be amazing if we had the ability to know exactly what we would most love, but instead, you know, we just sort of attempt, and there's just so much clutter, there's so much to get through that, you know, even if you find something that you're like, huh, maybe I'll watch that, you very often forget about it by the time you have time to do so, because there's so many other new things that have popped up by then, so 
you know, it's it's a, a blessing and a curse. You know, it's it's wonderful that we have so many options, but it does mean that we probably miss a lot of things that we would love just because we don't have the time. Yeah, yeah. It's like I love classic movies, and um, I'd heard of Now Voyager forever. I mean, it's one of Betty Davis's great movies, but for some reason I had thought I had seen it, but they had a, um, during the pandemic they had a thing on TCM where they were talking about the fashions and how it affects real life and how it affects the movies and stuff like that, and one of the things they were focusing on was the fashion in Apple Voyager, and they showed a whole bunch of scenes, and I said, I've never seen that movie. I can't believe it. I've seen scenes from it you know, and people refer to it, and there's been scenes in TV shows and movies of it, but I never actually watched the movie. And so... Well, I'm so you remedied that. That sounds great. Oh, it, it was so good. I was like, why haven't I ever seen this movie? <laughs> uh, it's, it's actually now one of my favorite Betty Davis movies. I mean, it's um, moved up. I mean... I was like past all about Eve, which was my favorite Betty Davis movie. <laughs> oh, that's cool. That's so great to hear. But isn't that weird? I mean, you think you say something, but and then you realize, no, never saw this movie. <laughs> well, I'm sure that that happens to all of us with movies, with books, with songs. You know, there's things that we just sort of assume, like, oh, for sure, I've heard that, and I just must not have loved it, and. You know, then you, you know, it's both a celebration and you kind of want to, you know, have a tantrum of how did I not know about this earlier? Yeah. yeah. How did I not have this experience before? I know. It's just so crazy. Um, and I just, and I also just really uh, think it's good to do that. Shake it up. Stop watching the same thing you always watch. Yep. True. Very true. Um, anyway, that's what I did, one of the things I did. I just, because you, you get to the point where, okay, I've, I've seen every um, TV show and movie I've loved over and over again. I've read all my Agatha Christie books. Um, i got to do something else. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so that, that was one of the cases where it was a really good thing. I mean, actually, all the cases were good. I mean, I, I discovered um, new writers that I didn't know, and I discovered um, new TV shows I'd never seen. So, and it actually made me feel better. Oh, that's wonderful. That's, I think, the whole purpose. It's, I think bonding, you know, I think that's, I really think that's the point of art is it helps us process our, process our feelings and find understanding both as individuals and as cultures and as the human race in general. I really think that's how we explore what it means to be living. Mm-hmm. All the different sides, you know, all the, the different facets of being human. Yeah, I took a lot of virtual tours of, of museums. <laughs> Mm, I went to the the Louvre. I went to um, the British Museum. I went to um, Smithsonian. They they all have virtual tours. You just can just nice. and you don't pay. You just go and click, and you get a virtual tour of whatever section of the museum you want to look at. Oh, that's great. So that was another thing I did. I mean. It sounds kind of geeky, but that's what I do. I'm geeky. (laughs) Uh, uh, Sherry, I think you have to realize that's every human being on Earth. Every human being's geeky? Yeah, everybody has their thing. It's just different for different people. Okay. Um, All right. I'll I'll try to accept that. (laughs) (laughs) But my style of geeky seems to be different. But (laughs) what can I say? It may feel that way, but that's the other thing. I think it's that sort of imposter syndrome where that's how everyone feels. You know, somebody's, quote, geeky thing might be race cars or sports or it might be knitting or it might be literature or it might be museums. I mean, come on now. Museums are incredibly popular in, in every culture. <laughs> I feel like they, they populate the world. So clearly you are not alone. Yeah, that's true. And it is really... I'm I'm not an artist. I'm not that kind of an artist. I'm not a uh, drawing fine artist. Artist. 
Um, but I love art. I, mm. I've i always loved art. Ever since I was a little girl and uh, my parents took us to La Brea Tar Pits and we went next door to the Fine Art Museum. And I was like, oh, it was like I was home. <laughs> that's wonderful. How great. <laughs> uh, that's how I discovered my love of art. It was sort of an accident because I was really excited to see the dinosaurs. But um, we went next door and I was just, Oh my God, my eyes, I think my mom says my eyes were as big as basketballs because I was just so excited. (laughs) That's lovely. I was really little too, so, but yeah, I've always loved it. So, um, yeah, I'm like the type of person who will listen to the entire history of Vincent van Gogh or whatever, um, or Monet or or Renoir. That's fantastic. But again, babe, you're not alone because that's, uh, you know, they can't survive if they only have one customer. (laughs) There's a lot of people. I mean, you know, that recent Van Gogh exhibit has just sold out for months and months and months. And, uh, you know, it's just, it's proof that there are certain things that just call to us. And I think it's just a different form of communication. Yeah, I wanted to go there. I couldn't afford it. Um, the immersion one, yeah, I really wanted to go to that. Um, but, nope, can't afford it. <laughs> but, yeah, I can see that. I, 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 I'm I, not exactly sure how the immersion thing worked, um, but I heard about it. Um, did you go? I, I did. I was able to go see it, and I had mixed feelings. Um, it was... Uh, I'm trying to figure out how to make this succinct. Um, It was extraordinary to see the brushwork that up close because it was a very large room and the projections, it's basically that they show you the paintings. They're just enormous because they're projections and they sort of, they have them come to life. Like they'll show you a little bit at a time so it almost feels as if it's being painted live before you very quickly. Hmm. But the thing that was really extraordinary to me was just the detail that you got to see and how rich it was. And it really is stunning that this is one of the ways that we communicate. And it found, it, it just felt really gorgeous to me. Um, the thing that was less exciting to me is that all it was was a 30-minute video on a loop. And so that was that felt disappointing to me. That's it? Thirty minutes? Yeah. Yeah, it was a thirty minute loop of several paintings, but it just once I realized that what that's what it was, it took away a bit of the magic of the experience that I was having because I wanted more that was original as opposed to seeing the same thing again. But uh, you know, it doesn't take away from the fact that I've never seen art that way before. Yeah. And that was a very cool experience. But it's, I would want, you know, like I, I know they do that intentionally because they want people to get through the the exhibit quickly and then move on because it's popular and they want to have as many people through as possible. But I think I, if I was going to have that experience again, I would hope that they would supplement it with other things so it was, I would just prefer more than a half an hour, I guess, but perhaps I'm just greedy. I was picturing sort of a planetarium show where they show you some quadrant of the stars and go into detail and stuff like that. That's the way I thought of it. Uh, In terms of display, there's a similarity in what you're saying, but just, uh, you know, it's basically a big square room and all of the walls are playing the same you know, like different angles of the same video. So, you know, you could stay there all day and you could really focus on different parts if you wanted to. So, so I don't know. I I feel very, um, I don't like to criticize because it excites me so much whenever art finds a way to be more accessible to more people. But, but yes, in my heart of hearts, I just wanted it to be just a smidge more than it was. Hmm. Well, I still wish I saw it. Um, <laughs> um, 
I wanted to ask you, I, I know you're consulting. Can you explain about that and what you're doing and all that stuff? Oh, sure, sure. So most people know me as an actress, and, you know, I've also done producing and a wee bit of directing and things like that. But what not a lot of people know is that for basically since the dawn of my career, so for a few decades now, I have also been a consultant on the side. It's always been for coworkers and friends and it just it's one of those you know, I'm I'm a believer that every single person has superpowers. And it turns out this is one of mine. I'm just really, really good at fine details and being able to give feedback. I help people with brainstorming, uh, with accountability. Uh I'm just a I'm a solid pair of fresh eyes for someone who's been working on the same project for a long time and just needs some inspiration or some focus or some direction. And most of my work is within the creative field, but it's not a specific creative field. Uh, I work with a lot of writers. They might be novelists. They might be uh, graphic artists that are creating like a graphic novel. Uh, they may, might be fiction writers. I've worked with a few academics. And, of course, I've done a lot of screenplays, and I also help with the edits of films. So I get hired by uh, filmmakers that have their either initial edits, you know, that they are happy with, or usually it's when they are close to sort of locking in an edit and they need a fresh pair of eyes to see what's missing. Uh, you know, it's another one of those tricky things about the human brain where we fill in the gaps when we're the creator. And so sometimes we are absolutely convinced that we have shared all of this information because it's in our minds and, you know, or it was in a previous edit or a previous cut. And it takes a fresh pair of eyes to be able to see where the gaps are, where there's uh, some logic missing or, you know, just some fine details that need to be tweaked. So, you know, I've helped writers with writer's block and, you know, just really get people inspired again because it's a really, it can be a really difficult road to be a creator because you sort of, to a degree, you're creating in a vacuum. I mean, certainly you are if you're a, a writer who's the sole writer of a project. You're just doing that, you know, tackling that on your own. But even bigger projects with multiple collaborators you could sort of lose the plot, both literally and figuratively, mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, a, an outside pair of eyes can be really helpful. And then I, I also, for the last several years, uh, I've been sharing this process that I have done for about 20 years now, but I've been sharing it with, with clients, and most of those are creative clients, but you do not have to be at all. It's just a process that works for everyone where you just, really sit down uh, with, you know, a dedicated amount of time to answer some questions and prompts that I send you. And it's about refining and defining who you are now, what you want now, what is working, what is not. It's, you know, a lot of us have narratives about who we are, and that's within our work, but it's also within our personal lives because all of these things are, you know, interconnected. There's themes that we sort of are all navigating through our lifetimes and through our work. And, you know, sometimes we don't allow ourselves the chance to just exhale and take a breath and say, like, wait, do I still believe that? Do I still enjoy that? Is that still a goal of mine? Because once we set a goal, a lot of us just sort of, you know, keep adding it to the pile every year. And I'm a believer in practical solutions. So if if you are stuck in any way or unhappy in any way, a lot of times all you need is some really courageous conversations about it so you can have clarity and then really define what your resources are and where your resources are lacking. And, you know, that's how you can fix it. So I've actually been in the, the middle uh, for about the last six weeks. I, it's one of my favorite times of the year because – it's a prime time for people to be looking at those details and really, you know, making the brave ask of what they want and, you know, just finding ways to support them. And these conversations are so exciting and, you know, just having people be able to walk away with motivation and momentum and inspiration about themselves. That's the part that's so great is, you know, 
it's it's almost like we can all feel kind of tarnished and you know it's just well anyway i just love it <laughs> uh my company is plan a media group so um anyone can find me at planamediagroup.com and you can grab a session with me if that's of interest to you but it's it's something that having nothing to do with me i think it's a process that is so important for everyone to just be able to take the time to ask themselves deep questions because we all sort of choose who we are and what hats we're going to wear. And sometimes we're completely over that, but we haven't admitted it to ourselves or we haven't allowed ourselves to question whether or not that's, you know, figuratively the outfit we still want to be wearing, you know, and the, the path we still want to be walking down. And it's just a great way to just, um, you know, have a safe space, safe space to explore and, you know, with, with joy and comedy. Like my belief is that every session that I have with anyone should be a great time because your art is your gift to the world and your life experience is one that should be great. And we find ways to make it better than what you're having. And so often it's just all that you need is a bit of clarity and, some people are incredibly lucky to have that with their friend groups or they might have a mentor or certain, you know, guidance from certain people or even therapy is a wonderful thing. But, you know, this is sort of a, it's a specific, it's simultaneously kind of specific in general, but it's, it's something that can be so incredibly valuable to just give yourself that time and space to ask yourself the deep questions about who you are now, what you want now, what isn't working. So, so anyway, sorry, that was a bit of a tangent, but, <laughs> That's okay. uh, you know, it's, so, it's something that I really enjoy. So the and, person you know, doesn't, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but the person, please, please, go ahead. the person doesn't have to be a creative to consult with you. They could just be a little unfocused and trying to figure out I which welcome, way. Uh, I, I, as long as my schedule permits, I absolutely welcome anyone and everyone because these are, uh, these are uh, overarching human questions. And while I might come at it from more of a creative direction than, say, an engineer would, it's still a conversation that we can have where it's complementary specifically because we come from a different place. And if I'm working with an artist, it can be complementary because we understand each other's language and maybe a more specific way because we've shared that creative journey. But the truth is every human being on earth is a creator. We are creating our lives every single moment of every single day. And, you know, you can do that in a messy, sloppy fashion. And sometimes that's necessary and good, but it's also incredibly helpful if you can have a more elegant solution and just more clarity. Like clarity is uh, it's just a gift that if we could all have it every day, life would be, you know, so much more smooth. That's true. But it's also just fun. You know, a lot of us haven't been able to give ourselves permission to have these types of conversations or they might feel um, like a luxury when personal happiness is not a luxury. You know, it's, it, you know, life is short. It goes by incredibly fast and, we don't want to be um, we don't want to be stuck but we also don't want to be not giving ourselves permission for what we really want uh, or not being aware of easy fixes that are right in front of us but just haven't been that we haven't been aware of or a big one that I work on with with clients a lot is boundaries you know what are the boundaries that no longer work for you or that need to be put in place because that's another thing that changes constantly because every one of our relationships is constantly changing because every single human being is constantly changing. So something that worked for you last year might not work for you this year, so you need to refine that boundary or refine that want or refine that conversation and, you know, just having a safe space to sort of explore those things is incredibly important, but it's also really enlivening to the spirit 
because we get stuck in these ruts of, oh, I have this obligation and this obligation, and I'm so busy, I don't have time for uh, not only deep thinking, but, you know, some of the just small habits that aren't that big necessarily, but they are, but our lives are so overwhelming that even a small thing can feel really big. So having the space to actually talk about something and refine it and come up with actionable steps is really lovely. So, you know, it's, it's, it's the kind of thing that I have kind of naturally practiced as an artist my whole life. It's the way that I approach acting. It's the way that I approach producing. And, you know, it's the way I approach business in general is just constantly uh, questioning and reaffirming and staying really engaged with the process. So, so yeah, it's fun. The, the sessions are fun and interesting, and sometimes they, uh, you know, there's always laughter and there's always insight because it's two people who are looking for answers. And when you have that yummy energy that you have both decided to set aside the time for, ooh, amazing things can happen. <laughs> you know, a writer can have an instant download of the exact answer that they were looking for for the plot problem they were having or someone can be motivated to you know in that moment realize that like oh this annoying thing in my house that I haven't dealt with is actually representative of a bigger issue and once I realize that by tomorrow I have fixed the thing that I have put off for five years you know it's really it's a wild thing because it's just it's just about um, you know it's it's like the dance of acting where you are exploring human truths and just, you know, really trying to get down to the, the nitty-gritty of a situation. And so this is just doing that exact same process, but in a broader sense. You know, acting is not, um, in my opinion, acting is always a search for truth, whether mm-hmm. it's comedy, whether it's drama, you know, whether it's a documentary. Like, the whole point is that we're trying to find ways as human beings to clearly communicate with each other and with ourselves and find understanding and meaning. And, you know, that's, I really think it's kind of the, uh, kind of the description of life itself and of most of our human interactions. So I'm getting, wow, I'm getting really in the weeds about this. And, uh, you know, my language is sounding a little bit grandiose for something that's just, you know, energizing, but it's because to me it's more valuable than that. And, you know, I've always done this for friends and family, and it's something that during COVID, I I just I decided to make it official, and so I I opened this sort of side business, and I thought, oh, this will be the thing I do in COVID until acting work starts up again, and it just I've enjoyed it so much that even when things opened up again, I have kept a certain amount of time. You know, it it varies based on what my uh, acting schedule is at that point. But, but yeah, it's just it's something I don't think I would ever give up because I find it so incredibly fruitful, and it's also just good for my own work because whenever I'm working with someone to uh, find their answers, it triggers me to continually find my own answers. So, you know, it's this really sort of symbiotic process that is really lovely. So, anyway, I will stop talking. No, that's okay. <laughs> it made me think of something. I was, I was, you, it, it's just, it's interesting how the acting path can open up other things. It was, I remember Wayne Rogers, the late Wayne Rogers, who was talking about how he started uh, doing management for uh, people, uh-huh, yeah. money management. And he said he started just doing it with friends, you know, because he was in, innately good at it. And, sure. And he he opened a side business, and when he left, he never left acting. He continued to act his whole life. But when he left MASH, and he wasn't, he was a guest star, he wasn't a star for a little while, he started building up the business that he ne- he basically was making a heck of a lot more money from being a manager than being an actor, but he still loved acting, so he could never give it up. But that's what mm-hmm. sounds like it would happen to you with this consulting thing. It just 
it it's like it just innately came out of you. <laughs> yeah, well, it's just it's just something I was always doing because I I've had a I've always had a really calculating mind and been very organized and you know I sort of I can see a puzzle and put it together but it's I don't know it's a it's a hard thing to describe because I'm a very safe space so you know I'm I'm a a great person that someone can talk to to give them interesting perspective and I I think it's a very non-judgmental space but it's also just because I love, I really love the human experience. I'm very interested in people, and I think that's why I love acting so much. It's, it, it's, it's storytelling. It's, you know, it's, it's similar to writing. It's, it's understand. It's, it's giving you the chance to walk in someone else's shoes, and I find that really fascinating. You know, I'm someone who, I, I kind of can't learn enough about life like I'm fascinated with other cultures and other experiences and equally I'm fascinated with the ways in which we are all the same mm -hmm. or at least very similar and you know I, I like to say that everyone has the same problems they're just wearing different clothes you know it's like we might this, the specifics will be different person to person but the overarching themes are almost always the same because we all want the same things no matter what our background is. We want to be happy. We want to be healthy. We want to be fulfilled. We want to have purpose. We want our lives to mean something. We want to be financially sound. You know, we all have generally the same wants. And the specifics are galactically different from person to person. But, you know, the ways that we get there are kind of the same because it's just a puzzle piece of deciding what you want and figuring out the healthiest, easiest, smoothest ways to get there. And then equally, it's about knowing when we have shifted our focus and that's not something that intrigues us anymore. So, you know, you could have had a, a passion for, you know, some professional sport and then you could honestly just be done with it, you know, and it's not a tragedy, it's not a crime, it's not, there could be a grieving process in it, but it could be that, you you know, everyone else wants you to stay when you're ready to go. And, you know, it's it's not, it's not a giving up process, it's an opening up process mm -hmm. of what's going to fulfill me now as much as the other thing did before. And, you know, those questions are, are, really just fascinating because a lot of us have a narrative we've told ourselves about how we feel about something and so we just keep that we've already had we've answered that question and we think we have the same answer for 30 years or something but that's because we don't take the time to really allow ourselves to truly think about it fresh think about it now and we change so much year to year even if your life looks the same on the outside in terms of the, the general details. As people, we grow so much. And so it makes absolute sense that some of our wants and our needs and our understandings will change over time. And, and most of us allow that in certain areas of our lives and just totally ignore others. And that makes sense because we're busy. We're all overwhelmed. And but I it's think, this... I think it's interesting. Please, please. Oh, I was going to say, I was thinking it's interesting because... The human body changes every seven years. You a whole new body in seven years from what you had before. But it's not just your physical body. It's your emotions and your mental self. You're a different person than you were seven years ago, a decade ago, or whatever. Uh, it, that does not surprise me. It, and it's hard sometimes. Sometimes you want to be that different person. Other times you don't want to be that different person. You fight it. Sure. So, but no matter what, what you do want is to be your happiest self, mm -hmm. your most fulfilled. You want to not have a whole host of regrets because you weren't brave enough to attempt something. And, you know, we all have unfulfilled wishes of some sort and desires and all of those things. But it's we don't often give ourselves a chance to process certain things unless they're huge. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we feel obligated to process a huge tragedy in our life. We'll seek professional assistance if, you know, we're we're going through a massive transition. 
But I think very often we ignore the fact that we are going through some type of transition constantly. Mm-hmm. Like we are, you know, the we are chemically and physically made to change. And so, you know, we fight that, you know, whether it's with aging or whether it's with, you know, clout from something that we thought brought us importance or ego because it it's the way we want to be identified. But all of those things are changing. And the thing that really matters more than anything else is how happy you are. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, other people's opinions certainly can affect you. But what matters most is how you are feeling. And everybody knows this. I mean, please, I'm not reinventing the wheel. I'm just, these are the types of conversations that I love. I find them so interesting and stimulating and exciting because I think knowing yourself better is, oh, it's just the best. And I think, you know, for artists and creators, it stimulates better work. But I also think, you know, that's true of basically everyone. Yeah. And it's of whatever your work is. And it's whether your work is professional or a hobby. You know, there are people that that think, you know, they have an absolute passion for painting but don't don't have an interest in being professional and admittedly maybe don't think their skills are at that level. But it doesn't mean they shouldn't make the time for it if it makes them happy. Right. And, you know, I mean, you have to be responsible. Like, you know, you have to pay your bills and et cetera, et cetera. But if something is really bringing you joy, it is absolutely valid. And I just think, you know, the world tells us who we are so often. And sometimes we forget that we have the power to decide who that is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's it's small little shifts. It's, it's, uh, it's shifts in our own perspective and our own permissions but it's also just small shifts in the boundaries we set with others and the the way that we allow people to talk to us or to engage with us or or to be active in our creation process, whatever it is you're creating. You know, there's a place for collaborators, but there's absolutely also a sacred place of not sharing that information. You know, there are lots of people who's, uh, you know, I, I say critique your critics. You know, you do not need to accept criticism from everyone. And that sounds logical and easy on the outside. But again, our brains are sol- problem-solving machines. So, you know, we'll get 50 compliments and one negative review, and we don't remember the 50 compliments. Mm-hmm. We know they exist, but we could tell you, you know, we could read the negative review once, and we could quote it nearly word for word for five years. More than and, that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> More than exactly. that. <laughs> totally. And it's natural because, again, that's how our brains work. But it's also utterly absurd. And sometimes all we need is just a conversation to process that and let it go and understand how silly we are and, more than that, be reminded how freaking fabulous we are because everyone has something extraordinary in them. And, you know, that's one of the other things I like to do is – you know, I really force people to, or I shouldn't say force. Force, do what I say. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I definitely request that people look deeply at what their personal superpowers are. And, you know, it can be hard for people that are not used to touting their own skills and you know, or used to touting very specific skills when without realizing that, Every person has multiple extraordinary talents, and they don't have to be, you know, Van Gogh painting, but it could be that you make an incredible cup of coffee, or you make people feel so comfortable, or you have this amazing self-deprecating humor that is unusual in your field, and so you should use it. Or, you know, I also help people in terms of people that are not performers at all. I can help them to access and understand psychologically the ways that help befriend an audience so that it makes them uh, makes their presentations or their pitches much more um, easy for an audience to accept and helps them get over any sort of stage fright or fear of public speaking and you know so many of these things feel really big but if you break them down into logical pieces where you have very specific things to focus on then 
you know, it, it becomes, I don't want to say easy because it, a challenge is always a challenge, but it becomes not only manageable, but something that, you know, to a degree you can even be really excited about because you, you know you can reach the other side of that challenge with hopefully some joy, but also knowing that you can be successful in it. And, you know, all of these things are sort of, you know, they're kind of pieces that started with acting. And, and again, you know, acting is such an interesting thing because I just think acting is the exploration of being human. And, and again, you know, these are all things that, <laughs> I mean, literally we're all trying to figure it out every day. So, you know, and, and we fall and we fail and we laugh about it and we get back up, but it's so much easier when you are clear about your goals and when you can let go of the things that didn't work and really have some exciting ideas to try as you move forward. So, so you know, it's just, it's been a fun process and, you know, it's just, I'm, I'm particularly jazzed about it because the, the last week has just been peppered, uh, you know, the, the industry hasn't really opened up yet again. So the last week I've just had some extraordinary meetings and they just leave me giddy because the experience of really just delving into this stuff is, it's just, it's, it's the best thing I can say is it's enlivening. Like it really just is a great flood of energy that I'm just honored that I get the chance to do. So anyway, it's fun. I'll, I'll, I'll stop. That's okay. I, I wanted to ask you another question, so it's a good time to transition. Um, I, I know you're on TikTok. I, I'm a little confused about what you do. Could you explain a little bit okay. about that? <laughs> sure. Um, so this is ridiculous. It's the craziest thing I've ever done in my life, but it's really been a joy. Um, so that the writer's strike started in May mm-hmm. and the actor's strike started in July. Mm-hmm. And uh, the industry at this moment still has not really picked up, but it was absolutely dead there for a period of time. And, you know, I had a bunch of projects on the roster that I was itching to do and ready to go. And, of course, those all got put on hold. And some of them probably will not be revived, and a couple of them definitely will, but the timing is still confusing. I don't know when they'll be fully back on their feet. But the long and the short of it is that I suddenly had all of this time that I was not expecting because of the strikes, and I just needed a creative outlet. And I went to the Xena day of the writer strike. No. And <laughs> it, it, exactly. So, so it was really extraordinary. Um, you know, it was a, a, a few of us from the cast and uh, some writers and, you know, just a mix of, of people that were uh, from the original series. And it was also like 150 fans that showed up to walk with us. And it was really just this extraordinary outpouring of support. And, you know, I mean, the Zenites to me are like family and it's, it's just, it, it, it's just always extraordinary to me. But anyway, in addition to all of that, there was also a cardboard cutout of Xena. <laughs> and uh, we all, the cast and the writers and things, we all got um, group pictures and the image, this cardboard stand-up of Lucy Lawless as Xena was in the photos. And a few days later, those photos were posted and I laughed out loud because I looked at them and I thought, Oh my God! There was this particular photo of me and Renee O'Connor and the Xena cutout, and it looked like me and my two moms were on vacation at Universal Studios, <laughs> and it just made me laugh so hard. And I was like, "That would be a hilarious show if it was just, you know, me showing my moms around town." And of course, you know, Renee is incredibly busy, and so it wasn't really realistic. But I reached out to a couple of people and I said, hey, I've got this idea, but it only works if I can find one of those cardboard stand-up Xenas. And literally the person I called was like, oh, I've got one in my garage. And that was unexpected (laughs) and hilarious. But I was like, oh, now I have to do this 
because this came together so easily. I truly thought it would take at least a month to track one of these things down, and I just thought it would be very complicated. But the entire idea came together in about 24 hours, and I just immediately started shooting. And I think I've got about 300 episodes up on TikTok. The, the, I, I mean, they're so stupid, but they're so hilarious, and I think I can say adorable. And it's just the series is me desperately trying to impress my mom, Zena, but my mom is giving me the silent treatment. No matter what I do, my mom will not speak to me. She will not give an inch. She is just refusing to be impressed by anything I do. So I have dragged this piece of cardboard all over Southern California. Oh, my God. And, uh, you know, I, I filmed the vast majority of the series I filmed in about 10 days during the summer, but I have supplemented it throughout the uh, the rest of the year. And I've had some delightful guest stars. Uh, Renee O'Connor has joined me. Alex Tidings has joined me. Brittany Powell. Uh, my friend Elizabeth Grayson, who was not from the original series, but was from Highlander. And it's just hilarious because all of my guests, uh, with the exception of Renee, Renee is playing Gabrielle, but every other guest star that I have had is playing a virtual therapist that my mother and I visit. <laughs> and it, I just, I mean, it, it, it sounds very egotistical to say I think it's hilarious, but the episodes that I find funny, I mean, I'm very aware that this is incredibly stupid and it's kind of one giant dad joke, but it's so funny to me because acting with a piece of cardboard is so dumb <laughs> delightful like the you know I'm just I'm not I love comedy I've done quite a bit of comedy over the years but I've never done I've never really professionally done improv or anything that I'm embarrassed about and man did I jump in with two feet um, the entire series I, I write everything and when I say I write it it's 100% improv and the amount of material, because I just, I did not think I would have that much material, but I mean, it has been endless. And luckily for me, it is not actually endless. I'm planning to end the series this January, but of course it will live on uh, forever on, on TikTok. TikTok and, uh, <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> but it, uh, it of course makes more sense to anyone who is familiar with the show Xena Warrior Princess. But I really think just damn near anybody could get a chuckle out of it because it's just so absurd to see a grown human woman talking to a piece of cardboard really, you know, disturbed that I'm not getting uh, all the love and feedback that I had wanted. But anyway, it's it's been really fun because the series is literally that uh, – we neither of us can quite remember the reason, but for some reason we have flashed forward, time jumped into modern day Los Angeles, but we still have the understanding of warriors from ancient Rome. So we don't understand modern life, and so we keep getting it wrong, and we keep trying all of these trends like TikTok trend videos and YouTube trends, and we're just hilariously bad at all of them because we don't understand it. So those have been some of my favorite videos, the ones where, uh, you know, like um, this week, <laughs> um, I won't give away the stupid joke, but this week we did two OnlyFans videos, but we just don't understand it, so we've completely gotten it wrong. And, uh, you know, we've done unboxing videos, we've done a what's in my bag video, uh, we've done shopping haul videos, like all the silly trends that honestly don't make sense to me in real life. But, you know, we have done them from the uh, perspective of ancient warriors trying to make sense of this stuff now. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, you know, not every video is, of course, solid gold. But I really think there's enough in there that it's worth a chuckle or that you will receive a chuckle from, you know, investing five minutes of your time. So, anyway. <laughs> does Lucy know about it? I'm sure that she does. Um <laughs> But I can't say more about it than that. So if you want to know more about that in particular, you will need to watch and okay. uh, you know see as the as it all wraps up. Okay, I'm just curious because I know she's still in New Zealand. <laughs> True, she is still in New Zealand. Uh, 
but yeah, this is not exactly a private project. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so. yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, and she does pay attention to media, so yeah, I could see that. <laughs> what I'm hoping she's doing right now is working on her show, because I want to see the new season. Um, <laughs> well, I know that she's working on what appears to be a really phenomenal documentary right now, so I'm super excited to see more about that. I think she's actually launching some more information about that at the... Uh, there's a Xena convention not long from now, and uh, I think that's when she's going to share more with the public, and I'm excited to hear about it because everything I've heard is really extraordinary. Cool. I was actually thinking of My Life is Murder. I'm a big fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fantastic. Excellent. <laughs> um, but, okay, I, I, I love, I've seen a lot of her documentaries. I could see another one. I'm, that, I'm down with it. Um, <laughs> um, okay, so... I just wanted to end uh, on talking about uh, your yearly raffle. It's coming up, and I know the fans oh. are uh, wanting to hear about it, so I just thought I'd ask you. Uh, thank you, thank you, thank you for asking about that. I'm so appreciative. Uh, so for anyone who doesn't know, um, I have done raffles and dinners and all kinds of stuff for charity. We try to do at least one event a year, and the last several years, I have done raffles with Xena merchandise. Uh, huge shout out to the Xenites because this is only possible because they keep donating things. And every year it gets bigger and better and we have had the most extraordinary things. Uh, honestly, every year there's stuff I had no idea existed. I mean, <laughs> the amount of merchandise this, ha this show had is crazy. I know, I uh, know. <laughs> yeah, it's, just, it's mind blowing. But this will be the biggest year we have ever had the raffle will start, the tickets will go on sale in March. Uh, all this information is available at my website, adrianwilkinson.com, and uh, I will be raffling tickets. We always sell a limited amount of tickets. The raffle is drawn live in front of an audience uh, at the Zenite Retreat, which will be, I believe it's the first week of May. And, uh, yeah, it's just, um, all of the funds that we raise go to families in need. We try to to always focus on families that are dealing with overwhelming medical expenses. And it's my it's kind of my philosophy in life. I believe in having a great time for a great cause. And, you know, I, I love the fact that we can do both at once. The raffles are fun. The items are amazing. It's, you know, delightful. And every year we... You know, I get to help spread these cool prizes to brand new people in the, you know, the Zenite community and, you know, rehome them with people who will absolutely, absolutely love them while simultaneously also raising funds for incredible causes. So, you know, it's a, it's a double whammy of goodness and it only works because people participate. So, uh, we usually sell around 200 tickets, so your odds are incredible. Uh, you know, we, we just give away a ton of prizes, and, yeah, it's just juicy, fantastic stuff. So the information will start, will be official in March. Uh, you can also join my mailing list on my website. Again, it's adrianwilkinson.com, and there's a join button where you can share your information. And then you will get notifications when tickets are available or any of our other events that end up happening. And, uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm, in, I'm always incredibly excited about it. The Zenites in particular just never cease to amaze me with their, uh, it's just this amazing combination because it's their, joy and their commitment to the greater good but it's also just fun like everything that we do is both fun and purposeful and i just absolutely adore that so if you are someone who likes xena loot or just <laughs> obscure interesting things i mean we have prop weapons we have jewelry we have action figures we have clothing oh this year we have more clothing than i've ever seen we have robes and socks and rain ponchos and umbrellas and uh, corduroy, like all this stuff that I just had no idea existed. And, you know, there's some luggage. There's like no Luggage? Yeah, <laughs> okay. it's real. So, you know, there's, luggage. there's big things and 
small <laughs> things and everything in between, but it's really fun stuff, and we only sell things that are in fantastic quality, which basically all of it is brand new because people purchased these things 25 years ago and then kept them pristine in, you know, uh, special, like most of these things have never even been opened. So they've been pristine in their boxes and, uh, yeah, now it's time for them to come out and play and find a new home. And, uh, yeah, so I'm excited about that. So, um, on social media, of course, I always post updates, but the easiest thing to do is just jump on the mailing list because anyone on the mailing list gets first dibs at all of the stuff that I do. So, so yeah, that's it. I think that's really cool. Um, I want to thank you for um, taking time to come on the show. Could, you gave your website, but could you give it one more time and any social media that you're on? Sure. Uh, so my website is adrianwilkinson.com. Uh, you can also find out about my consulting on that website, or you can separately, if you would like more information, you can go to planamediagroup.com, and that tells you all about the consulting. And uh, my social media, almost everything is Yo Adrian W. <laughs> so, I, I always get a that, chuckle. <laughs> yes, yes, exactly. <laughs> I think that's great. Um, thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. I, I thanks for coming back on the show. Sherry, always, you are such a delight to chat with, and uh, such an easy person to talk to, and just clearly have such a lovely, beautiful, open heart, and so it's always an absolute pleasure. So thank you for your time. Thank you. And thank you for chatting with Sherry. All across America. Get tickets now to what the Washington Post calls a runaway hit. MJ the Musical. Playing March 5th through 10th at the Civic Theater. Tickets at BroadwaySD.com. Presented by Broadway San Diego. Hey, it's Gina the Latina. Are you ready to make 2024 your best year yet? If you're ready to change your future, my friends at Northwest College can help. Start training for a rewarding career in healthcare like medical assisting, medical billing and coding, surgical technology, or nursing. Don't wait. New classes are enrolling right now. Plus, we're giving away a $10,000 scholarship to attend Northwest College. So what are you waiting for? Register now at channel933.com slash edu. That's channel933.com slash edu. Or call 844-NEW-CAREER to learn more.